everyone. Welcome back to the True Path Podcast. Thank you so much for being so patient in what has turned out to be quite an extensive hiatus. Now, our original intention was to just take a couple of weeks off for our son's wedding and a family vacation. However, right after we returned, I became very ill, and the road to recovery has been quite long and slow. But I'm feeling better every day, and I'm ready to get back to our study of Second Peter. Now, before we begin, I'd like to make a quick programming note. Um, we're going to be changing our format from a weekly production to a bi-weekly production. So rather than producing content every week, we're going to be moving to an every other week podcast. So with that said, let's resume our study. Today, we're going to be studying 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. Now, as you remember, Peter's in the middle of warning his readers against the dangers of false teachers, people who infiltrate the church and introduce teachings and doctrines that are not biblical. And as we learned in our last session, we must be on our guard because these people are, as Jesus said in Matthew 7:15, they come in sheep's clothing, but actually they are ravening wolves. So they look and act a lot like Christians. Now, we also learned that they are trained at manipulating people. So their true intentions are not going to be obvious at first. They're going to appear to have compassion. They may say all the right things, do all the right things on the outside. So it's going to be easy to be taken in by their charisma, their charm, and what appears to be good deeds. But none of it is real. Their true desire is to fulfill their own selfish greed. And so today, Peter's going to reveal the true colors, what's on the inside of these charlatan false teachers. So it's vitally important that we pay attention to the true character of these false teachers so that we won't be taken in like so many others will. So let's read 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 10-16 through 16 in the CSB. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold, arrogant people, they are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand, and in their destruction they too will be destroyed. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed, children under a curse. They have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of wickedness, but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So last session ended in verse 9, which said, 
then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Then in verse 10, it begins, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. So Peter's mentioning two specific situations in which God will pass judgment on those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and those who despise authority. You see, these are people who reject the authority of Christ. They put themselves in place of God. They are bold and arrogant, even bold and arrogant enough to go so far as to slander the glorious ones or celestial beings or angels. See Jude verses 8 through 10. So Peter makes the point in verse 11 that not even angels who are greater in might and power They don't even dare to do that. This is how deluded their minds have become. They've become so blinded by their own greed and sin that they have no moral compass. One of my commentaries says that slandering celestial beings is a teaching that lustful indulgence is in some ways angelic and that it's God's will for man to live under no restraints whatsoever. So Peter's showing us the unvarnished truth of their character. They believe that Christ is not sovereign, that there is no judgment for sin, and there is no ultimate authority. And in reality, is that really so far from where our culture's headed? I mean, hasn't our culture kind of adopted that same mindset? That all judgment is bad. That if you judge my actions, then you're condemning me. And so that makes you intolerant. People aren't really allowed to make judgment calls anymore about what is right and wrong in our society. Because if the action in question is making someone else happy, then it can't be wrong. You see, no authority means no judgment. And in verse 12, it's going to describe what kind of mentality that will get us. Excuse me. And in verse 12, it's going to describe what that kind of mentality will get us. Verse 12 says, But these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand, and in their destruction they too will be destroyed. So here, Peter describes what happens to a person who is completely engulfed in sin and corruption. They devolve into irrational animals. Other translations describe them as brute beasts. They know nothing, but talk as though they do. They are functioning from pure instinct, their selfishness and greed. I think it's interesting that Peter refers to these people as irrational animals or brute beasts, considering the fact that according to verse 2-2, many will follow them. So it may leave us wondering, how can many people follow someone who is completely irrational, arrogant, and greedy? Well, because they're appealing. False teachers make people think that they can have it all too, if they will just adopt their philosophy, if they'll just follow them. People think they're gaining something by following these people, but what they don't realize is that they are being manipulated and used. False teachers may appear to have all the answers, but God sees their true nature. They are nothing more than beasts. So we must pray 
We must pray to see people from God's perspective, the way that he sees them, to prevent ourselves from being taken in too. These people may think they've got it all. The whole world is in their hands. But God says they are destined for destruction. They who preach that there is no judgment and no authority will be judged by the ultimate authority. They will be caught and destroyed, according to verse 12. So we, we must know who we're following. Verse 13 says they will be paid back harm for the harm they have done. And again, this is a warning for the unrighteous that God's judgment will come. But it's also an encouragement for the righteous that evil will not succeed forever. There will come a day when all things will be made right. Verse 13 also says that they consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. So in ancient times, it was expected that people would do all carousing and reveling at night. 1 Thessalonians 5.7 says, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So even pagans would carry on their corrupt practices under the cover of darkness. But these people, they have no shame. They carry on their corruption in broad daylight. And when Peter says that they delight in their deceptions while they feast with you, this could be a reference to the sacred feasts of brotherly love that the early church established to accompany the Lord's Supper. So these false teachers, they may have been injecting carousing or drunkenness or corrupt practices into these holy observances. And again, one might wonder, how could people have the audacity to do such things? And how could others allow that kind of behavior? But we need to remember, these people have set themselves up as leaders and authority figures. And propaganda, that is their tool for coercion and manipulation. Because let's face it, propaganda sells. And these false teachers are experts at peddling it. All the more reason for us to be on our guard and pray for the wisdom to distinguish between truth from propaganda. They are so convinced that their cause is right and true that they think they're above reproach. They think they're too virtuous because of their position to ever be judged or condemned. So they can do whatever they want. You see, this is what believing in false doctrine does. It leads to false living. And false living in turn leads to false doctrine. It's a vicious cycle. You see, apostates, they must make people believe their false doctrine so that they will in turn accept and even contribute to their corrupt behavior. Proverbs 10.23 says, A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. And in verse 14, it goes on to say, They have eyes full of adultery. They never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed children under a curse. So this verse pretty much puts to rest any speculation that these people are Christians. I mean, they never stop looking for sin and they are under a curse. So just because a person participates in Christian activities and speaks Christian words, 
does not a Christian make. They are imposters. They look like sheep, but inside they are wolves. They never stop sinning because they're trying to fill the void in their lives that only God can fill. So again, we must be on our guard because unstable people, they can be seduced. False teachers are not unlearned, ignorant people. They are trained in greed. They are skilled at leading people astray. They train as hard at wickedness as we do at righteousness. So don't think that evil isn't hard at work too. And if it is, how much more should we be? As Christians, we have been given strength and wisdom from the Lord as a natural gift of the Holy Spirit living within us. But even though we've been given these natural gifts and abilities, we still need to grow and learn in our salvation through Bible reading and prayer. So some of you may remember basketball legend Larry Bird. Well, during the 1980s, he won three consecutive NBA MVP awards. He was a 12-time All-Star and a two-time NBA Finals MVP. No doubt this man had incredible natural ability on the basketball court. However, he didn't rest on natural ability alone. Larry Bird was one of the most mentally and physically prepared players in the league. His dedication to practice and improving his fundamentals were legendary. Since high school, Bird was known to begin every morning with 500 jump shots. He also had to hit 99 free throws in a row or he would start over. He went for long-distance runs, lifted weights, did hundreds of sit-ups, in addition to regular team practices. There's one story of an opposing NBA coach who brought his team to the arena extra early before a game to witness Bird warming up. Now, when they arrived, they didn't find Larry Bird shooting baskets. So as the team walked off the court laughing, believing the Bird work ethic was a myth, one of the players pointed up to the rafters. You see, Bird had already finished shooting, and so now he was running bleachers to improve his conditioning hours before the game. You see, as Christians, we too have been given spiritual gifts and abilities. But if we simply rest on that and never grow and mature in our faith, then we can become weak and unstable and easily taken in by false teachings and false doctrines. So we mustn't allow ourselves to become unstable in our faith. We must actively train through Bible reading, prayer, and church attendance. Now at verses 15 and 16, close by saying, They have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of wickedness, but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So Peter mentions Balaam. Now this is the fourth Old Testament illustration that Peter has used to drive home his point. Again, we see the value of Old Testament wisdom to enhance New Testament understanding. So Balaam is referred to in Numbers 22. He was a Gentile's prophet or a diviner who was asked by the king of Moab to curse Israel because the king felt threatened by their increasing power. So King Balak of Moab sent officials with money 
to go and ask Balaam to come back to Moab with them. Now, after Balaam heard their proposition, he inquired of God what to do, and God told him not to go with them. So the officials left. But later, other officials, more numerous and distinguished, returned and again asked Balaam to come with them with the promise of great reward. Now, instead of telling them no and following God's initial instructions, Balaam invited them into into his home to stay the night with him. And again, he went and asked God what to do. (laughs) Kind of like a wayward child asking his parents again and again after they explicitly told him no. But now this time, God agrees to let him go. So Balaam travels to Moab on a donkey. Now, as they were traveling along the road, the donkey saw an angel of the Lord standing in its path with a drawn sword. So three times the donkey veers off the road to avoid the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword standing in their path. Now, Balaam, he's unable to see this angel, so he beats the donkey for veering off the road. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and the donkey spoke to Balaam. What have I done to make you beat me these three times, it says to him. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his drawn sword. And the angel told Balaam that he would have killed him if the donkey hadn't spared his life. You see the irony here? Peter is describing false prophets as irrational animals, and now an animal is giving advice to a false prophet. Just like the false prophets and teachers that Peter's describing, Balaam, he knew it was wrong to go with these men to Moab, but he wanted the money and the honor from the king. He knew the will of God, but deliberately abandoned it and went astray. Later on in Numbers 31, Balaam led Israel into sin by tricking the Israelite men into illicit relationships with Moabite women and bringing immorality into the Israelite camp. See Numbers 31:16. And the result was that Balaam was slain by the sword in Roman, excuse me, in Numbers 31:8. Just as Peter described in verse 12, in their destruction they will be destroyed. You see Balaam used his gifts as a prophet to make money and lead others astray into sin. And that's what false teachers are still doing. So may we be motivated to grow in our faith and be bold in our witness to stand up to falsehood when we hear it. So our challenge for the week is to pray for wisdom and discernment and ask that the Lord reveal to us if there are areas in our lives where we're listening to falsehood. And let's commit ourselves to continuing to grow in the truth of God's word every day. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.